Hey, Alpaca Pals. Okay, so it's the end of the year. So Katie and I thought we should get together and do a little episode, just her and I, to talk about the end of the year and what next year looks like. So we're going to chat about travel predictions for 2023. We're also going to talk about some of our travel highlights from 2022, because as you know, we both took a very long break from travel (laughs) during the pandemic, and this year we got to get back into it. And then we're going to talk about the future of the podcast. Hi, Katie. Hi, Erin. Okay, so we're going to talk about our own travels. But before we get into that, I wanted to talk about this Lonely Planet list that comes out every year. Basically, at the end of every year, Lonely Planet releases their list of top destinations for the next year. So the list of best destinations for 2023 came out pretty recently. And I thought we should talk about it because I'm really into this list. Because, okay, this is the main reason I'm into it. I feel like they do a really good job of highlighting places that get overlooked. And they, like, they're not basic. They don't say the destinations that, like, you see all over TikTok, for example. I noticed that Brantford is not on the list, Erin. <laughs> no, but I noticed that there was a lot of countries that I was familiar with, but definitely some second cities, I would say, that were on there that I was like, ooh, this kind of seems like it's encouraging people to go to newer places. People are still going to those countries, but newer cities and and destinations within those countries, which was cool. For sure. We're going to talk about this more like a specific example, but I loved that too, because like, for example, Indonesia is on the list, but they're not talking about Bali or like the places that everyone knows to go to, which is really awesome because that's like one way to sort of help with over tourism. It's like encourage tourists to go to places that are less traveled within a popular country. Yes. Love to see it. I also love how they structure the list because they break it down by different interests. Yes. It's broken into these like different pillars. I was going to ask you about this because there was different pillars. There was eat, journey, unwind, connect, and learn. And each of the destinations were sort of categorized in their own little pocket. So which was the one that you clicked on first is what I want to know. Journey. I clicked on journey oh, first. I had to think about it for a second. I clicked on eat. I was very excited about that. So okay. I don't understand this, Katie. As someone with a peanut allergy, I don't know how you can click on oh, eat. Oh, he's going to bring up the allergies on the podcast. Listen, you just like jogged my memory because the first time I travel with someone who isn't Luke, they always find this really funny. When I was in Portugal last year with um, my friend Sheer, she was laughing her head off because every time she got like, a really good meal, I would ask to smell it because I was like, I can't eat it, but can I smell it? (laughs) Hey, a smell is worth a thousand words. People laugh about this, but I get a lot out of that smell. (laughs) So Katie, I wanted to ask what destinations caught your eye on the list? So I had five that caught my eye, um, but I kept it to three that I like was very excited about actually possibly visiting. So I was really excited about their highlight of New Mexico. I've never even considered New Mexico before, but like scrolling through the pictures and all of the destination little ideas, I was like, ooh, maybe a little a little jaunt over to the United States of America is where I should be headed. 
And then I was also excited to see South Africa on the list. So my parents have actually been to South Africa. I, my dad's been a couple of times and my mom has gone with him at least once as far as I can remember. South Africa is the destination that they talk all about, like all the time. My dad decided he, he basically turned into a wildlife photographer when he went to Kruger National Park. They've got pictures all over their house of all the animals that he took pictures of. He is obsessed and I think they want to go again. So seeing this on the Lonely Planet list, I was like, okay. Like I knew it was cool and I definitely want to go to an actual like national park like that, but it was cool to see that on the list. I actually had someone recently tell me that South Africa is their favorite country that they've ever traveled to. I think that's the same for my dad. Actually, a lot of my family from the Netherlands travels there. Interesting. I was also intrigued by Fukuoka. Is that how you pronounce it in Japan? I don't know if that's how you pronounce it, but that's how I would say it. Okay, great. (laughs) So I was excited by that because I've been telling you that I'm really hoping to go to Japan soon. And I think it might be a trip for 2024, which I'm like very excited about. But I looked at the map and Fukuoka is on the opposite side of the island. So Tokyo is on the other side. And I was like, oh, well, if you went there, then you might not get to go to Tokyo. And then I was like, how far would it take to get across the entire island? And I looked up the bullet train because we are obsessed with trains on this podcast now. So taking the bullet train from Fukuoka to Tokyo would be about five hours. That would be to travel a distance that would normally be driven between 12 hours to 22 hours. And I looked up what that is in North America, like the comparison. So New York City to Chicago is about 12 hours and Toronto to Halifax is about 17 hours. Imagine being able, sorry, I'm peeking. My mic is peeking. (laughs) Imagine being able to get to Halifax in five hours. Yeah, bullet trains are the future. I guess airlines exist, (laughs) but (laughs) assuming they didn't, five-hour train ride to get to Halifax would be, that could be a weekend trip. Listen, that's like the flight to Halifax from Toronto is like four, four and a half hours. So a bullet train is literally as fast as a plane almost. Well, there you go. There you go. And then, okay, finally, my last little notable thing that I noticed was that Western Australia is on the list. And I was like, I wonder what Amanda Kendall thinks about that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think it should be on the map because like I told Amanda, I love Western Australia and I don't know why no one goes there. We should ask her. (laughs) I have one thought that I need to share about the first place you mentioned, New Mexico. As an alien enthusiast... (laughs) I'm surprised that you don't know that Roswell, New Mexico is home of the annual UFO festival. Honestly. That I have been intending to go to since like basically forever, I must say. I honestly just, I know both of these things. I did not piece them together. (laughs) (laughs) Well, New Mexico 2023 could very well happen because the UFO festival is on. I'm game to go. Yes. So then tell me about your destinations that caught your eye. Okay, well, I kind of hinted at it already, but the first destination that caught my eye was the Rajat Ampat Islands in Indonesia. These are like very sparsely populated islands, and I was reading that there's more than 1,500 of them, and they're just off of Sarong in Indonesia. So like I mentioned before, I think it's really cool that Lonely Planet is highlighting this like lesser known area of Indonesia. The tourism there isn't quite as built up as other areas that people know about like Bali. It got me really excited because I really want to go to Indonesia, but I was like, do I want to go to Bali? Like, 
I want to see more. The other destination that caught my eye isn't, it's not really a destination. It's more of an experience. Okay. Um, so Lonely Planet highlighted a train route. That's I a, saw this. I, okay, cool. <laughs> are we train nerds now? Do we just yeah. love trains? Listen, I have been for years. Like I tell people all the time, the thing that like I loved most about India, honestly, was like taking the train. I love trains. <laughs> so obviously I had to bring up this train route yes. and it goes from Istanbul, Turkey to Sofia, Bulgaria. And it's actually an old train route that was out for a while and they just restored it. So now you can book a sleeper car to make the journey overnight. Mm. So yeah, I'm obsessed with train travel and I've been to Istanbul, but not Sofia. And I've always wanted to go back to Istanbul. So this is like, it's like the universe telling me I have to do it. So what destinations on the list have you actually been to, though? Just a few. Like I mentioned, Kuala Lumpur in Malaysia, which like definitely belongs on the list. I'm surprised by how few people go to Malaysia when they're in Southeast Asia. Jordan. Of course. Very happy to see that because I'm obsessed with Jordan. That was like a life-changing trip. Everyone should do it. And I was super excited to see Nova Scotia. Me too. Underrepresented, like everyone talks about Western Canada, and I just feel that we need to talk more about Eastern Canada. And this isn't about arguing about which is better, just Nova Scotia. They deserve they deserve more attention. Yeah. So if there was a destination that you could put on this list, Erin, what do you think's missing? Okay. I'm really happy you asked this because there's a place I've been thinking about a lot lately. And that is Bosnia and Herzegovina. Oh, interesting choice. Particularly the city Sarajevo. A lot of people go to Mostar. It's an easy day trip if you're in Croatia. So lots of people go to Mostar, but Sarajevo, not so much. And I bring it up because I like just fully fell in love with that city. It left a huge impression on me in a way that other cities in Europe just never have. Sarajevo, for example, is one of the few cities where you can walk between a Catholic church, an Orthodox church, a synagogue, and a mosque all in one day, like all in one neighborhood. The city is home to like 500-year-old markets, but it also has craft breweries, Mm -hmm. hookah bars, like shops where you can have Turkish coffee. And the other thing is, is, is that it's very close to nature. So while I was there, I did little day trips to like waterfalls and into the mountains. But besides all that fun stuff, like the biggest impression came from the history of the city and the history of the Bosnian War, which happened when I was a baby. And I remember like going to Bosnia and Herzegovina and honestly, like not knowing anything about the Bosnian War. But while I was there, it like jogged. This is kind of crazy. It jogged these memories I had of being, because I was like between the ages of two and six when the war happened. I have memories of sitting on the kitchen floor while my mom was cooking. And she always had this little TV on the counter when I was really young. And I remember seeing images of the war and they stuck with me. And I know, because I asked her later, I was like, mom, I have these like memories of just seeing like a war on TV when I was really, really young and he would like cook while I played on the kitchen floor. And she was like, yeah, I I was watching the coverage. And then while I was there, I just learned like so much about the war, about like how it impacted the city and the ripple effects of it up until today. It's one of those cities where you can't travel there and not learn about it. 
because it's the fabric of the city. It's everywhere. You see the evidence everywhere. And I also remember being surprised at how open people there were about talking about it. Mm -hmm. I talked with like a lot of like guides who were honestly like not much older than me who just like shared their experience of living through it. So yeah, it had a huge impact on me. And I've been thinking about going back and I've also been thinking, like, more people should go there. You should write a whole piece for Lonely Planet. Lonely Planet. Send your people. They they reach out to my people. <laughs> Which is Katie. <laughs> okay, so we've talked about... 2023 travel. But this was a big year because after a very long and unwanted break in travel, you and I both got to revive our love of it this year. So we both went on a few epic trips. So tell me, two travel highlights and something you learned. Okay. (laughs) Let me collect my thoughts for a second. (laughs) <laughs> the only place that I traveled to this year was Madeira Island, uh, which is a Portuguese island just to the west of Morocco. So no, it is not in the Azores. Multiple people asked me that question every time I told them that I went there. And I like one of the coolest things about Madeira Island was how how different it truly is from the Portuguese mainland and what people know of Portugal or what people experience in, I think, mainland Portugal. It's not super, super different, but they have like all these unique little characteristics that I've been learning about over the last, like ever since we've gone. For example, the drink of the island is called pancha and you cannot get that in the mainland. And pancha is basically just like a fruit juice frothed with honey. And then they use this specific Madeira rum that I think is made from sugarcane but it's not the same as Madeira wine. It's like its own special rum that they make on the island. And then also we had a very fun experience. (laughs) I've told this story not on the podcast before, I don't think, where we watched Anthony Bourdain before we went and we watched Anthony Bourdain's uh, layover in Lisbon. And he eats this like pork sandwich with mustard in Lisbon somewhere and has like it just looked so good. And Mark and I were like, oh, we can't go to, can't wait to go to Portugal and get this pork sandwich with mustard. And we get onto Madeira Island and they don't like sell pork anywhere. <laughs> they what? just, they don't make that sandwich. <laughs> and we were looking for it for like the entire week. And finally we found this restaurant that had a big pig on the sign. So we went in and asked if they made them on the island or if we could get them anywhere. And he's like, no, I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> I've never heard of that. So one of the things that will stick with me forever from Portugal, from Madeira Island, was the Prego Especial. Uh, excuse my accent, but is it is a sandwich that we could get everywhere, all over the island. It was great. It was basically like, uh, it was made with this very unique bread too, to Madeira Island. Like there's so many cute little nuanced things that make... Madeira Island, like what it is, I honestly think it should have been on the list too, because it's just, mm-hmm. they have everything. This this island has like hiking and mountains and natural swimming pools 
and a cocktail area and just so much history. And it's just so cute and so beautiful. And you can travel the whole thing in like four hours. And then once you get to the other side of an the island, it's like a totally different climate. So there's like a sunny climate. There's like a super rainy climate. It's... <sighs> I think I like I got everything I needed to get out of Madeira Island. So it wouldn't be a place that I'm like, must go back immediately. But if I was invited to go back, I would 1000% go. So Do it. that's my spiel. I love going back to places. Okay, so enough about my highlights because it's all just a big advertisement for Madeira Island at this point. <laughs> Tourism board, hit me up. Uh, so tell me about your travel highlights and what you learned, any takeaways, or you can just go on a big tangent like I did. <laughs> I'm going to say what everyone knows I'm going to say, and that's Iceland. <laughs> Shocker. <laughs> and that's all I'm going to say because I literally can't put into words like how amazing it was. I just, I need to go back. It looks so beautiful. Right now, one of my favorite TV shows is in Iceland. And I was like, oh, wait, no. They're... <sighs> Aaron? The recent what? season of The Amazing Race was just in Iceland, and they did like an ice wall climbing thing. So I'm just saying, two things you love. I would have been so good at that challenge because I rock climb. I know. You would have crushed it. I would have crushed it. <laughs> no pun intended? Yeah. Okay. I don't know if I've said this before. I've probably said it before, but I'm going to say it again. Pictures just do not do Iceland justice. Nothing does it justice. I really went there being like, my expectations are high because Instagram makes it look so amazing. Literally, like, I don't have words. Like, it's just, you have to see it. You have to see it. The pictures don't do it justice. Even the, like, perfectly edited Instagram photos. Like, you just, and I think what blew my mind is, you could fly into Iceland with no plan and just get in a car and drive and your mind would be blown like from morning till dusk every single day, just looking out the window. I've just never seen landscapes like that. And it, it's, it feels like you're on another planet. So yeah, definitely Iceland, huge highlight, but so is Belize. And I want to talk about one specific experience that we had in Belize the entire trip was amazing, but something that like really stood out to us was this trip that we did, a day trip to Caracol, which is an ancient Mayan city that's pretty far into the jungle. Getting to it was like no joke. We were basically off-roading on this um, bumpy road in a truck for like an hour and a half to get there. It's very close to the border of Guatemala, but the benefit of it being hard to get to is that there's not a lot of tourists there. Mm -hmm. And... It's this incredible Mayan site that dates back over 2,000 years. And what blew my mind about it is the guide that we had worked on the excavation. His name was Leo. And he had so much to tell us about like the process of discovering and excavating the site. And he told us that the city is massive. Like the, the part that you see is only a small percentage of the whole site. They know for a fact that it stretches across at least 17 kilometers Whoa. of jungle. And they've documented or like mapped about 5,000 structures. And they suspect that there's over 30,000 structures like spread out, left over from this Mayan city. 
And our guide was so amazing. Like Leo from the moment he picked us up was just like so fun. And we just loved him because like he had unmatched knowledge of this site. Like I learned so much from him. We had so many questions and he was able to answer all of them. And it was just like, he was so passionate about it, which made us excited about it. And I just left with this sense of like, oh my gosh, like history is just so amazing. And to think like about the civilization living here, like 2000 years ago, I just, oh, like planet earth blows my mind and humanity just blows my mind. But also Leo like told us so much about like his life in Belize and told us so much about like the culture of Belize and especially about how like Belize is such a melting pot of different cultures and languages. So we learned a lot like from him about Caracol, but also just about like life in Belize, which was really awesome. And because like this was such a hard place to get to, it was only us and two other people in the in the truck with him. So it was such a small group. Like we really got to like get close with Leo and chat with him a lot. So So I really wanted to do this thing I found online. It is a travel personality quiz. It's from Jesse on a Journey. I haven't taken it. Okay, I'm doing it right now. Are you? <laughs> uh, okay, if you're getting started, I'll get started. Okay, I'm done. Oh, ooh, okay. I got my answer. Okay, I'm curious what your answer is. Mine doesn't seem like a travel personality. What is it? Is it travel style? Mine is unique road trip. A unique road trip oh. is calling your name. You love to explore on your timeline and know that the journey can be just as fun as the destination itself. I do think that the, that matches you. I wouldn't say it's like your entire travel personality, but you're definitely like road trip vibes. I mean, you and I have only traveled road trips together. So like, what is my travel style in your perspective? I think of you as like an adventurer. I guess like... I'm trying to think of what that means, but adventure in the sense that like you enjoy nature, you're, you love to rough it, you're willing to like travel long distances. Yeah. It's pretty broad, but I feel like everyone's travel personality is broad like that. Maybe not everyone's it's like, true. cause kind of like you, I don't feel like I can really be fit into one box. Yeah. And I will say this, I think like I'm a pretty, I'm a mixture of things. Like I love visiting cities, but I also love like roughing it in nature all of the trips we do are like quite different from each other. But I do know people who are pretty like, like I know people who just want to go to like a European city and that's their vibe and they're very like married to it. So I think yeah. you, you and I plan very similar trips in that there's always sort of a pattern between like getting a good amount of time in a city and getting a good amount of time like outdoors and kind of like in a more zen sort of space. Mm -hmm. Totally. Okay, so my result was cultural immersion. Ooh, okay. What does the little description say? The best type of trip for you is one where you can immerse yourself in local culture. You love to gain a deeper understanding of the destinations you visit, including their history, language, customs, and cuisine. I mean, that's accurate, except for the cuisine part, because I only get to smell it. I mean, that immediately makes me think of the story that you've told 
well, basically the picture that you've painted in my brain multiple times of you being, I think, in Jordan and just sitting in the little coffee shops and people watching. And also that little um, bar that you went to in, in Cuba and you just talked to the bartender there and became best friends. And then he took you to like a local party. That is very much an Aaron vibe. Literally us going to Alora in Ontario this summer and finding out that we should go to the Fergus Fall Fair and we just went to the Fergus Fall Fair. <laughs> it was great. Yeah, you just do what everyone does. Yeah. I love it. That's very much an Aaron travel vibe from my experience. Yeah, I would say that's definitely accurate. It's funny because like when we were in Belize, everyone says not to go to Belize City. So we didn't, but we had to transit through Belize City. And when we did, I was like, oh, I wish we were going to going to hang out in Belize City. Also, can I just say, if you go to Jordan, Jordan's getting more popular, so I know people are going to go. Don't overlook Amman. Luke and I went back to Amman twice because it's just an incredible city. And people like fly there and immediately leave. If you're going to Jordan, don't do that. Hang out in Amman. It's a great city. That's my TED Talk. <laughs> Okay, Aaron, let's talk about what's coming up for the show. Because realistically, we only have two episodes left of season five. Uh, and then what's next for us next year, I guess? Yeah. I mean, I'll start with a little teaser for the last two episodes of the season because they're both so great. We're doing an episode about Indigenous tourism in Canada, which we've covered before, but it was time. It'd been, it'd been a while. So I'm really excited that we have covered this again. And this was a and totally learned, different conversation, in my opinion. For sure. And then we also have an episode with Amanda, which I'm really excited about. Very good friend of the pod, Amanda Kendall. That was also such a fun conversation. And uh, she's the type of person that I can imagine meeting in a hostel dorm room and just becoming like best fast friends immediately and staying in touch for the next like 50 years. Yes. And we didn't meet in a hostel dorm, but we're still going to stay in touch for the next 50 years. Okay, so... Season five will end at the end of January, mm -hmm. but don't worry, Alpaca Pals, when we're on break, we're still going to share um, some content. We'll have some bonus episodes and we'll rebroadcast probably some older episodes, maybe with like a new intro just to talk about like updates to them. And then we're thinking that season six will come out in the spring. I'm not going to say a specific date or month because I don't want to set any expectations, but it'll probably be in the spring. <laughs> Do you want to highlight some of the episodes that we're going to be doing? Yeah, there's, there's going to be some good ones. So we've already booked a couple interviews. There's going to be one where we chat about how travel media can sometimes romanticize remote and rural destinations. We'll talk about why that happens and why it's bad. And we're also going to chat with the creators behind a documentary that came out this year called The Last Tourist. I'm not going to say more about this. I'm just going to say go watch the documentary and then listening to this episode will be awesome. So a little <laughs> homework, Alpaca Pals. But it's the holiday break. <laughs> or don't watch it. You've got plenty Up of time. You. <laughs> <laughs> We're also going to talk more in depth about what makes responsible travel a social movement. And I also think like in season six, we're going to interrogate like what responsible travel is a little bit more. So I've been thinking a lot about like interrogating the concept of responsible travel because like it's the name of our podcast, but I, I worry a lot that like 
it puts too much like personal responsibility and individual responsibility on people when really what we need to be doing is like interrogating the industry and thinking about how to shift towards like a more sustainable model. So that's something we're going to talk about in more detail in season six. And then we're also, we're going to unpack the language that we use in travel. And you're going to get a little teaser of this because we do talk about this a bit in the Indigenous tourism episode that will come out in January. But next season, we'll do a full episode about this. Well, Erin, Happy New Year. Oh, Happy New Year. Do you have any big plans for the new year that you want to tell me about? My only goal (laughs) is to travel. (laughs) I think that's a great goal, Erin. I respect that goal. We're going to travel together. We're going to do a big trip next year, actually. And I don't think we should say what it is. I think we should keep it under wraps because it's super exciting. I'm so excited. And it's like a bucket list trip of mine. I'm very excited. Yes. And we are hoping to record some really fun podcast content around that trip, too. So that's going to be super exciting. What are your goals for 2023? I don't know. Maybe uh, find work-life balance again. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it is that time of year when you give people gifts. Katie, I have a gift for you. I'm very excited to give it to you, but that's off topic. Alpaca Pals. If you want to give us a gift this year, you can leave a review about the show. Those are always really exciting for us. Like we get a little email, we open it up. We talk back and forth about how happy the review made us. So yeah, that's like the ultimate gift you could give us. You could also tell other people about our podcast or share it on your social channels or just tell someone about the show because that always goes a long way. And then if you want to financially help us out, you can follow us on Patreon and support us there. I think the lowest tier is $5 a month. And it makes a huge difference. So we appreciate anyone who wants to hop over there and help us out. Should we get a crumpet meow in here? Can we? Hold on. She's going to purr. You got to tell me if you can hear it. Okay. (gasps) I can't hear it. Oh, my God. Erin, we should release a whole episode of that just looped for 30 minutes.